Hi there, and thanks for joining us. On this podcast, we're talking about houses and hotels. In a bit, we hear from a lady who has risen through the ranks of her industry to become one of its leaders. But first, a gentleman whose business flatlined during the recession, but who now is again in high demand. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business Podcast with CompuB. Building your business with premium Apple solutions. CompuB.com We often have husbands and wives and fathers and sons, but we've never had the brother of another guest that we've had on Red Business. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome Joey Sheehan, owner of MyMortgages.ie, who is the brother of Frankie Sheehan of Pendulum Summit fame, who we had on the podcast a few months ago. Joey, you're the younger brother. You really want to emphasise that, yeah? Yes. Hi, Jonathan. Um, well, I'm the younger brother, and I've been told the better looking brother as well. And that there's no <laughs> bias in that at all? That didn't, that uh, didn't but come? But that's not too hard, I don't think. Was that from your mum? Or was... Well, my wife told me anyway, yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kabir, you're very welcome to the programme. Um, you, like your dad are involved in the property trade. Correct, yeah. Yeah, so um, I started back in 2002 with my father auctioneering and I went from there to mortgages around 2005 and I've been at the mortgages full-time for, I suppose it's over 13 years now, Jonathan. Uh, with that, we do life and pensions. We've got a separate company for that called Shane Financial. So there's mymortgages.ie is the mortgage side of the house. And we have a separate company called Shane Financial, which, do, which does the life and pension side of it. So we've had we had a very busy few years when we started first and the economy was booming. Then it fell off a cliff around 2008, 2009, crashed a um, few very lean years. The mortgage market went from, I think, 40 billion to 2.5 billion, which is about a 6%. So the cake became about 6%. So that didn't leave a whole lot. L- less than a muffin rather than an actual a, cake. A few crumbs maybe yeah. for, for the likes of myself. And it was just a matter of getting through the tough years and, you know, keeping the door open, keeping the, paying the bills, keeping the company solvent, managed to do that. And thankfully now we're, we're, we're well established. We've come through the hard times. Uh, the mortgage market this year will hopefully see around 9 billion. Uh, we're, we're, our, our goal is to hit 1% of that. We're currently about one third of 1%. So over the next few years, we're, we're growing, trying to, trying to grow organically to, to take about 1% of the mortgage market. Now the website is mymortgages.ie but was it always online or did you start this out as a paper walk through the door enterprise? Um, well I suppose it's marketing uh, ha- having the, the, the .ie it's actually the trading name is actually registered.ie I don't think you can do that anymore uh, so it just brings awareness so the, the name says exactly what it does and by, by calling it the mymortgages.ie the first thing somebody hopefully will do is go online look at your website see what you're offering and uh hopefully send us an inquiry on the website. And does that still work? I mean, there's an awful lot of competition in the market right now to draw people's business. As there are more and more mortgages being issued, there's a higher likelihood that they'll shop around. So what draws them to yours? Yeah, well, that's a that's a great question because um, there's huge competition. That's one of the biggest risks is that uh, we've got about seven lenders uh, in the market, eight lenders, I think, actually, uh, and even some of the banks they have the branches are competing with maybe mobile managers and maybe internet inquiries so even within one bank they could have three or four different channels of distribution that are competing with each other so it's great for the consumer because they've got so much choice but it can be quite confusing uh, particularly with the cashback offers fixed rates variable rates so it's hard for people to know so I think you know 90% of our business is referrals 
So somebody deals with us, you know, rather than going to six or seven or eight banks, they come into us, they give us the paperwork, we assess their situation, we weigh it all up, we make a recommendation, we tell them why, make sure we're getting what they're looking for. Um, well, you're a broker, effectively. You are a we're broker. We're a broker, yeah, yeah, correct, yeah. yeah. Um, house prices are mad, as we know. I mean, yeah. we, uh, we were talking about the roller coaster that they were on earlier this week, and it's crazy how we are in the middle of an upward cycle that will inevitably go back down again. So how do you how do you deal with that? When you have someone coming through the door, all young and enthusiastic, first time buyer, and they say, right, we want to do this. You know, do you have to explain to them that your investment may rise as well as fall? Well, the, f- the first question is if somebody has a housing need. So if a couple, you know, maybe they're just getting married, having children, planning a family, they're, they're both from... Cork or wherever they know where they want to live in the long term they're renting at the moment you know they have a housing need most Irish people and many other people living here want to own their own home they want to have safety of tenure they want to become established and ingrained in in a locality they can go to the local schools of their children they can join the local GA team whatever the case may be so it's harder to do that that when you're renting so if somebody has a housing need I would say go and buy the house you can afford make sure you're not overextending yourself in the location you want and over the 30 years to repay the loan, whatever, however long you're borrowing, the price of that house will rise and it will fall. But if that's your family home, I suppose it's nicer It's nicer to feel that it's worth more, but it's irrelevant really. Because you're still a roof over your head. You have a roof over your, over your head. And if it's if it's comparable with paying the rent, you know, it's the, the ab- same old coin. The average house price in Cork at the minute, I think it's about 261,000 and that's up about 60% from its lowest point. Do you have a lot of disappointed people coming into you who have saved what they think is a suitable deposit, but when it comes to it, isn't enough to satisfy the banks and the criteria that are set down? Well, to be honest, we're we're finding the banks reasonable to deal with at the moment. They can be a bit slow, but generally, if somebody's doing everything right, they will be approved for what they can afford. So as standard, somebody should get approval for about three and a half times their income. We can get exceptions up to four, possibly even four and a half times their income for stronger applicants. So we're not we're not having difficulty on the mortgage side. So when clients come to us, if they need to tidy up some loans or clear something off or whatever, we might say, look, go away for two or three months, clear the loan, do a bit more savings, come back to us then. So once we have them in order, we'll send in the application. They will ultimately get approved. But the challenging piece for the consumers, Jonathan, is finding the house. So I have one girl at the moment, she, she works in uh, Apple, and she came to me about three years ago and she was looking at a house. We got her mortgage approved. Um, the house fell through I think it went too much money she didn't want to pay that much for it um, so that mortgage approval expired she came back the following year uh, saw another house was bidding on that again didn't happen now she's still agreed on her third house so almost three years later we're dealing and this mm. person is able to afford what she wants to buy but it's just trying to find the house is a challenge and so there's huge issues with stock and, and that's a problem for employers you mentioned Apple there was another story during the week about somebody who wanted to rent a house in Ballincollig, not even buy one, but there was no stock available because the multinationals had taken up a lot of the space. We need to build more houses and I'm pretty sure we need to build them urgently, Joey. Yeah, and I suppose uh, I couldn't agree more, Jonathan, and I, I saw figures during the week. I think the unemployment rate is down to 5.3. And it's virtually uh, full employment. Yeah, no, that, that's nationwide, I, I, I presume. You'd know better than I would, but I'm sure that figure is a lot lower in Cork City. It is. So it's probably, you know, maybe half of that. I don't know. But um, we see an awful lot of people living abroad, looking to come back. Maybe they're buying something now so that they'll have, have a house that they can go straight into when they come back. 
So that there's people coming here for the first time, there's people returning here, and you're 100% right, lack of supply is the problem, and lack of supply in the right locations is the problem. Um, and I know that there are some um, builders building at the moment, there's some developments to come on stream, but we need, we need a lot more... Um, a lot, a lot more supply coming on and unfortunately the way the process is it, it does take time mm-hmm. so it might be a couple of years before we have Never mind what people who ended up in negative equity have to go through uh, do you as somebody whose business relied on the mortgage market to succeed do you have PTSD from what happened in 2007 onwards do you wake up in the middle of the night going is that still going on or is the business in a, in a better place I mean how do you how do you cope with all of that Joy? Um. Well, actually, an interesting point on, on the negative equity piece, Jonathan, is that a lot of people think that because they're negative equity, they can't get a mortgage. So if somebody's in negative equity, uh, they might owe 300000 on a house worth two fifty. Once the loan is up to date, they can potentially seek to rent out that property, go and buy a new property, uh, and once they, they can carry that loan, so once the rent and their own income can service that mortgage, they can actually go and buy a house. So being in negative equity actually isn't um, a negative pardon the pun but so people do have options so I'll always say to people you know contact a broker contact someone like myself you might think that your situation is, is, is weak or hopeless but there's always some angle there's, you might have to wait a bit of time you might need to tidy things up but there's always an angle to try and get yourself what you want Finally is there still competition between the two I'd imagine growing up the two you would have been belting the hell out of each other on the rugby pitch or the back garden is it still the same between yourself and Frankie or have have you managed to mature a little bit as time has gone on? We've matured a little, a little. I wouldn't say a lot, <laughs> but no, I know we get on well. We'd have a, we'd have good old crack, and there's five siblings of, of us. Patrick, uh, he, he's the eldest. He got the brains. He's he's an ENT surgeon down the South Infirmary, and Tara, and I have a brother Jonathan in a similar business to myself in Dublin. He's in financial services as well. So. Uh, no, we had good. It was it was rough and tumble growing up, all right. But we had, we had a good child. You're still, in other words, what I'm hearing from that is you're not allowed to be left unsupervised. Still, is that the case, despite your age? <laughs> well, our wives, our wives try and keep us keep a tail in us. Yeah. All right, Joy Jean, uh, mar- mymortgages.ie is the website address. We wish you continued success. Thanks for joining us. Thanks very much, Jonathan. Thank you. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB Business, improving productivity with the latest Apple technology, CompuB.com. Now on Red Business, let's speak to somebody who has been very much involved in the hotel industry for all of her career, but is also very much involved in Cork Chamber. Head of sales for the Doyle Collection, Paula Cogan, how are you? I'm so well. Great to see you again. It's great to see you too. Summertime for hoteliers, I mean, it is the busy time, isn't it? Because you've got lots of tourists passing through that wouldn't necessarily be there in the depths of November. Sure. I mean, it's, I suppose, from a Cork perspective, it is a very eclectic mix at this time of the year because you still have the business clients coming in. But then, as you say, you have an amazing array, um, particularly in the last number of years, of international visitors coming to the city as well. And of course, we are in the throes of Marquee and Midsummer Festival as well. So there's a lot of domestic travel coming into Cork as well. So it is, um, it's a busy time of the year and making sure that you are aligning the needs of the business to um, all of the various different people. So the business client coming in, 
in, you know, once a, a certain type of hotel. And of course, then the leisure client who has a little bit more time to spend and enjoy uh, wants something a bit different as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a lovely time. I love this time of the year in hotels. How 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 do you feel about the fact that everyone still calls it juries? I mean, is, is that something that really sticks in your craw? Well, it's like the regional hospital in Rochester is. Um, just had a conversation with somebody the other day about that, how, uh, how quirk people generally don't like too much in change. No, we don't like um, change. I would, from my perspective, I hold it in fond affection is the way I say it because, um, you know, people talk about juries and remember it 30 and 40 years ago and even in my own family, um, juries was, I suppose in every family there's your own hotel. So communions, confirmations, my Debs, my wedding, my sister's wedding were all held at the hotel. So um, for me, yes, we spent an awful lot of money on a rebrand, but at the same time, you know, as I say, from a Cork's perspective, it's um, an institution and, you know, it's lovely to have that as well. But the River Lee is a spectacular hotel. Uh, Really, really high standards have always been to the forefront of the management team's mind. And all of a sudden it becomes really important that you maintain those standards because we've got a lot of competition coming down the line. I mean, how many hotel rooms, new hotel rooms in Cork over the Um, next few years? Potentially, um, I suppose in the last 10 years, we actually haven't seen a huge amount. We've seen renovation of existing properties, but potentially um, if all of the plans that are currently in play went ahead, you would have an additional 2,000 beds in the city centre within the next three to four years. So a little bit of competition. Just a little. Just a little bit. Keep us on our toes. How do you do that? How do you keep everybody on their toes in the hotel to make sure the hotel doesn't see standards slip and that competition go elsewhere? Well, I, I, from our perspective, I suppose, um, we're a family-owned hotel at the end of the day and it's incredibly important that you know your customer and you know the needs of your customer. Um, and while in, in some respects people think that, you know, the business traveller and the leisure traveller want something that's very different, they don't really. I mean, most people want a very nice comfy bed. They want a really good shower. Nowadays, Wi-Fi um, and internet connectivity is one of the keys for, for all of us when we're Do you visiting. know what thing they don't really want anymore? The telly. The telly used to be a fierce, important the part. The telly was a major room. part But no, it. And now we just watch the laptop or the phone yeah. or whatever. And then you bring it with you and you just want to make sure that you do have that connectivity when you're travelling as well. Um, and, you know, even 10 years ago, if you thought of hotels, it was all about the spa-like features in the bathrooms and what, you know, products you were using and the bedroom was, would had to be this amazing space. Nowadays, that's completely flipped. And now it's all about the public spaces where people can hang out. And really, you know, going forward, millennials don't really care that the, the bedroom is comfy know, and te- secure. They're terrible people, aren't they? They're I, not, I, I, I don't know how we're going to let them take <laughs> over the organisation at all. They are very vocal, which is phenomenal. I mean, again, if you look at from a hotel's perspective in the past, um, you could pat yourself on the back and think you were doing amazingly well because you were making lots of money. But nowadays, if you think of it, you know, between TripAdvisor and all of the other channels, um, you were being, you know, People are, are being critical or, or complimentary of the hotel on a hourly basis. So for us, it's, it's very important that you keep tabs on that and make sure that you're listening to what the customer wants. Um, and at the end of the day, they just want to know that when they come in, they're welcomed. That's a huge part of it. Your job is head of sales and a lot of your sales now comes from online. And yes. I know the first thing I do if I'm looking at a hotel somewhere that I don't know, I will go to TripAdvisor. Yes. And TripAdvisor is a double-edged sword because you can go along to the hotel and go, what in the name of God were they talking about? I don't see any of the problems that are listed here. Or else you could go, I really should have listened to what was said about it on TripAdvisor. How closely do you monitor what goes on? We cl- we monitor, I mean, we have, we're incredibly fortunate in, in the hotel in Cork. We have an amazing um, front of house and customer experience manager, Helena. Um, she would monitor it on a on a 
hourly basis some days of the week just to make sure that uh, we are taking into consideration um, anything that's going on in the hotel. I suppose, again, you know, we're very, very fortunate. We've just completed an an amazing transformation of our bar and our restaurant. And again, for us, it was incredibly important to pre-plan that, to make sure that our guests knew that, yes, there was going to be some works going on, but they were going to impact in such a minimum basis on them and that, you know, it was going to be worth it in the end of the day when seven weeks later we had this amazing new space. So again, just making sure you're monitoring all of those channels, including TripAdvisor, but also social media as well. Um, And it's so worked to our favour because, again, the customer knew before they arrived at the hotel that, yes, there was going to be a little bit of works going on, but it wasn't going to impact hugely on their stay. And really, hotels that don't, um, you know, move that way forward and take you know, take advantage of social media channels, um, it's to their detriment in the end of the day. Not only are you kept busy with being the head of sales for the Doyle Collection, your work with Cork Chamber means that you have to go abroad and sell the city to people who don't necessarily know it. Now, being Cork people, we obviously realise how amazing Cork is, but yes. how often do you stand in a room full of people and they haven't the first notion about what's happening in this fine town? It's um, it's a very interesting one. Um, and uh, I suppose my, my most vivid experience was being in China about six years ago and rocking up to an event um, where the actual room itself, due to um, an unfortunate translator, thought we were from Iceland, first of all. Um, and not Ireland and then having to speak about Cork um, and they got very confused because they thought we were and not Reykjavik and they thought it was a wine bottle we were speaking about at that stage Um, but it's amazing slowly but surely uh, I was very fortunate I suppose Tourism Ireland have been very active actually in China in the last number of years so I went on five different uh, groups and delegations for tourism respective to promote Cork and the region and you know what slowly but surely um, the message got around and again I suppose um, while we make it sound very sophisticated nowadays um, at the end of the day tourism um, and hospitality is all about building personal relationships and once you're out there and you are building a relationship with the key clients the key travel agents etc um, and then they trust you and then at the end of the day they come and experience Cork that's when you have them hooked and that's what we do very very well in Cork Cork Chamber has a big year coming up next year isn't it? Yes 200 years Yeah 200 years um I'd imagine most of the people who, were, who who have passed through as president feel each and every one of those years because they're so busy <laughs> running around. You're vice president now at the moment and yes. your workload is fairly busy. But it is a big celebration of what is an organisation that has been knocking around a very long time. Very much so. And it's for me, I suppose... Um, I'll admit my background, I'm a history and archaeology graduate from UCC. So I'm involved at the moment in the Chamber 200 committee with uh, a number of, you know, are you saying past you, presidents. Are you saying you had to dig a few things up? Dig a few <laughs> things up? No, but it's so interesting. Um, I mean, I suppose, again, an organisation like the Chamber, actually, you know, if you think of it, has minute books and has agendas for meetings that are going back 200 years. Um, and they sit in the Cork archives. So we've had somebody do some some work with us on that and, and pulling out and identifying pieces. And for me... Uh, I Is it not that surprising, Paula, when you look back and I'm guessing there wouldn't have been many women in the room, perhaps the one taking the notes at the time. No, you would be correct (laughs) from that perspective. But very interesting times. And I suppose what really struck me was that the chamber was always very much ahead. Um, You know, if something was coming up on an agenda, it it slowly but surely would take 10 years before it came into play. So, for instance, prior to the Jack Lynch Tunnel, um, the chamber had been talking about the need to do something with the Cork Dublin Road. Um, And you see it coming through on the minutes in the agenda and feedback from chamber members 10 years before uh, it actually became into the public arena. Um, Again, things like the port and the importance 
importance of the port, the city, uh, was also something that was, you know, spoke, spoken um, through the chamber 15 years before it actually um, came to the public arena. So that for me is is key and crucial and really what the chamber has been about, not only today, but for the last 200 years. So when people are walking down, looking up at all those lovely high rise uh, buildings down in Port of Cork in 30 years time, they look back at the minutes and now and wonder where they came from. <laughs> um, last question. Yes. How did someone who studied archaeology at University <laughs> College Cork end up working in hotels and rising through the ranks? I know. It's um, I, it's, it's funny, actually. Um, my son is doing his leaving search at the moment and he uses me constantly as the example. I keep saying to him, you know, you have to do something in, in university or third level that you're going to enjoy. Don't do something just because you feel the points, you have the points to do it. But yeah, I mean, I was very, very fortunate. I um, take, took an arts degree in UCC. I adored history and I took archaeology as a, as a kind of an extra subject and again, just absolutely loved it and was very fortunate at the time there was an opportunity to go in um, after my primary degree to do marketing and management um, and I took that opportunity. Still a fair old leap there now. <laughs> there, was, there, was, there has to be something else going on in the background that well, drew you into I, that. I will be honest with you from an archaeology and history perspective really either you went down the academic route or there was nothing else at that time. So for me, the idea of being on my hands and knees um, on a wet, boggy site. Um, you Tempting know, for, and all you make it <laughs> sound. Exactly, yeah. Wasn't really going to cut it for me. So um, when the opportunity arose then to, I suppose, marry the two, um, it was fantastic. And to be honest, I, you know, I use it on a daily basis because if you're talking to a tourist or a travel agent or something about Cork, um, because I have that little bit of history behind me, I'm able to speak articulately as to the history of, of the city as well. And they love that. They mm-hmm. love those little bits of facts and figures to know that, you know, Cork was a cosmopolitan city 200 years ago. It's not something that just has come about in the last 10 or 20 years. Fascinating stories for all who hear them. <laughs> uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Paula Cogan, Head of Sales for the Doyle Collection and Vice President of Cork Chamber. Thank you for joining us on My, My Business. My pleasure. Thank you. My thanks to Paula and to Joey. Neve Hennessy, as always, produced. Don't forget, if you have a story you want to tell us, redbusiness at redfm.ie. We'll catch you on the next one. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB. Apple technology and solutions for your business. CompuB.com.